Welcome to the Force Leadership Podcast. You'll hear from a group of dynamic women leaders discussing career decisions, risk-taking, and lessons in mentorship. I'm your host, Jamie Dolby, and you can learn more about Force by visiting us at www.maryville.edu slash Force and follow us on all social media networks at Force Maryville. We have Miss Chrissy Jackson. Tell me, who are you? <laughs> who am I? Yes. Well, that depends on the day. But today, I am super excited to be here with you, Jamie. You know, we have a history, right? And, and I mean, we have a history. I won't even, you know, go into that history because I think it will date me a little beyond what I may want to talk about it on this. will date me too. <laughs> this podcast today. But today, I'm here to uh, really just be among, um, I guess, be a part of this conversation that so many dynamic women have been a part of, um, including yourself. And I want to just, first off, before I introduce who I am, I want to say that I have been watching and I appreciate your commitment to the platforms that you are on that do nothing but elevate women in general. And I'm very proud of you. Thank you. I'm very Thank proud you. of you. I appreciate that. Definitely, I really do. Definitely. So I'm Christy Jackson. I'm the CEO of DK Solutions, uh, where we provide digital branding and creative consulting for what we like to call purpose-driven projects. I'm also a public speaker and an author, and we'll talk about some of the projects that I'm working on. But first and foremost, I am an entrepreneur at heart. I am a mom. I am a black woman that is, you know, trying to navigate this even more challenging space that we all are face to face with now. And I'm just excited to be in a space where more conversations are being happening about coming together and understanding our differences so that we can come together in more unity. Thank you for that introduction. I have to just give a little shout out for, because you said you were a mom, so I'm to bring your, your oldest daughter into this because... I believe I saw her Coca-Cola commercial, right? Absolutely. It was on BET. Um, She, so Kelsey is a singer-songwriter, and so she writes music for commercial projects. And so she's done a written music and performed on commercials for a Toyota and for, most recently, Coca-Cola. And the, the title of it is History Shakers. And so she, along with her team, you know, they wrote the music. You actually hear her singing on the commercial. And they aired that commercial three times during the BET Awards. And so I am just so excited because of the content, really, that, you know, features such strong and talented black youth, you know, in the commercial, but also that she was a part of bringing that that commercial. She is history. She is, she history is making, making history. I love She's it. making I really history. Do. So when you gave your introduction, you said you do purpose driven projects. Yeah. Tell me what does that mean for your business to be able to select projects that are really purpose driven? How does that shape your business into not just doing anything for profit? What does that look like for a business structure? So, you know, that has been a part of a journey for us in, you know, making the decision to pivot to focus on purpose driven businesses. You know, initially when we started, we were like every other company that, you know, provided digital branding services, you know, helping with photography and digital campaigns and social media marketing and things of that nature for companies to really just help build their brands. But we began to see more value in those companies that had a mission 
to improve community or providing services that were helping other people or, you know, working on projects that were trying to uh, shift perspectives or really make a difference and an impact in the community. And those were the projects that really made our heart beat faster. And we would commit to work on those projects, I mean, almost for free because it aligned with our personal mission and passion, which is to help people reach their full potential. Word of mouth has grown that we are the company to come to if you have a purpose-driven project that you want to build a collaborative relationship with, you know, me as a, a vendor, as a contractor that is really bought in to your project and your story just as much as you are. And so it really is a, more of a collaborative project where we're working together. We have a passion for helping startups. We were there. We understood that when you really don't know what to ask, you don't know what help you need. So we really took, you know, my husband and I, we, we took a, a, a personal mission to be that voice for startups to help them navigate this entrepreneurial space in St. Louis, which can be very challenging. When I hear you describe your business, I really think about kind of like that village approach, village approach to business, village approach to success. Where did that mindset come? Because you don't just go into business and say, you know what, I'm going into business for me, but I really want to pull everybody along with us. Most entrepreneurs don't have that mindset. And when you think of corporations and leaders in business, you don't really, you know, I will be honest with you, where that started for me, is with my faith. You know, my husband and I have, we, we have served in ministry first and foremost. And so really God has given us a personal mission to serve others. And so we have built every service, every business, every dream upon that commitment to God first to serve others and be a blessing to them. That's really where that started because even our business grew out of our serving, you know, in ministry and just sort of helping people. You know, people wanted to do events and they saw the creativity that we had and just the access to various resources and connections to, you know, people that they might not have known. And so that's really sort of stemmed out of our ministry work. Those that we have been able to support at the very beginning, you know, of their businesses. You know, some of you may know us as owners of the DK Annex. And so lots of, you know, startup events, launch events were held there. I wish people could see you right now because Christy is lighting up. When you talk about other businesses and how successful they are, you really are. Like you're smiling. You're excited about the growth that you were able to put into somebody else. Yeah. I really think that just speaks volumes about who you are as a woman, but who you are as a business leader. I mean, it is so important because businesses, our black businesses, our black-owned businesses, our female-owned businesses are needed. Employing millions of employees. And how you start, your mentality around starting your business is so key. Most businesses fail within the first five years. And so we have made a commitment to focus on that stage so that entrepreneurs can build with a stronger foundation and they can last because they're needed. They're needed. We what are you, all needed. What do you see one of the biggest reasons why people aren't able to last through that first five years? What's a what's a commonality that you've seen? Yeah. So what we've seen most common is the access to information and resources. You know, most people start businesses because they have a passion for something instead of taking a look at, you know, doing their market research and identifying if this is actually a need in the community or this is a need in the market. 
And so, you know, people don't buy because, you know, you like it. They buy because they need it. And so it's important, you know, to do that research and make sure that it's an actual need and a viable business. And a lot of entrepreneurs just start, you know, out of passion. I think another reason, again, is access to financial resources, to have the capital that they need to, uh, you know, to build their business. And it's really not about having a lot of money. I think that it's the model that you choose to launch out in. If you don't have a lot of capital starting off, you might have to run your business from home. You might have to run your business virtually instead of getting a brick and mortar space. Well, I think it's also now, I think people are really realizing that as we're all forced to to be at home uh, through this pandemic, through two pandemics that we're going through, I think people are like, you know what, I can really start this virtually. I don't need to wait on a space yeah. to have. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, that was a pivot that we made a year before the pandemic, and we are so glad that we shifted our business virtually because we have little to no overhead, you know, which lessens the stress <laughs> that we have, and we're able to serve more. We're able to give more because we have more revenue now that we can donate, you know, and, and, and we have more time where we can, you know, serve in various capacities. So it was a big, uh, I mean, I'm, it was the best decision for our business. I love it because you were able to shift before the forced pivot uh, came about. When you talk about giving back, and I, I, I was serious when I said you were really smiling and excited when talking about other businesses, and I know some of that you do because it's your your business model, and there these are paying clients as well, but you do give back a lot as well. How important is it for the give back piece and that philanthropy piece and your business structure? How does that work with business? Is it Does it turn out to be better for profit or is it just better you know, to make you feel good? What is it like to give back as a business owner? Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it has you know, several, several benefits. You know, again, people buy because of you right and your brand and your reputation and so you know if you if, if you are known as an authentic person first of all right so people can sense when you are giving back with an ulterior motive to you know that is not necessarily authentic you have to make a commitment within yourself that this is real and this is something that you the reason that you're doing this is really because you want to help other people I think it does put you in the minds of others first because you're meeting their needs that's why people buy because they they have a need and so when you are looked at as you know that resource that is actually helpful to them I think it does position your business you know quite differently but I think too you know serving people allows you to connect with more diverse clients and customers which enlarges your perspective about ways to serve people and it actually puts you on the pulse of the needs that people have which allows you to create different solutions in your business. You've been able to move in a lot of different spaces and I see you a lot now in that tech space. What are some of the things that you've seen in the tech space and diversity and who are you working with to make sure that diversity is really um, expanding as far as it goes for tech? What are some of the things you're doing to help with that in the in our region? Yeah, so I'm really excited to talk about this. I am uh, one of the partners in the Tech Talent Readiness Project, which is spearheaded by Dr. Stacy G. Hollins, and Amy Gwynn is also uh, one of our partners. And really, this project is one again one of those purpose-driven projects. the The goal of this project is to listen and put forth data around the challenges in the tech talent identification space. There are lots of solutions 
that have been attempted, but there are still gaps in the pipeline. We are taking a different approach in, yes, identifying the data, but we are pulling, pushing forward the stories around the why behind the data because we feel that people can connect more authentically when they can actually see a face that's connected to that statistic or they can hear a story that they can relate to. And I think one of the, the most unique pieces around this project is that we are collaborating across sectors. Most often, uh, this tech talent development work is done in silos, right? Like the tech folks are working on it or the corporate folks are working on it. But with our project, tech folks, community members, entrepreneurs, and even education, we're all coming together to figure out what are the through lines, what are the common challenges, and what are the solutions that we can create uh, to put forth two or three actionable steps uh, in 2021 that we can actually implement to close this digital divide. I mean, you're working with Stacey G. Highland, so you're part of the Maryville family. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> this is this is a gift from Maryville University, and PNC is also one of the sponsors. So it, it is it is truly a gift to serve and support this project. I'm, I was really excited to hear that. Anytime I hear Stacey Highland's name, I'm like, okay, it's got to be awesome oh because it's my. tech, Stacey's involved. Yes. I know it's going to be awesome. I've been moving into the spaces of tech. What are some of the things as a woman that you've seen that other women, I guess, can get into this space or I feel like women are really working better together. Mm -hmm. We are collaborating, we're connecting, and we don't work in silos. So when you gave that that example, I was like, you know what, that's just what women do. Mm -hmm. Do you find that women business leaders do that more often than our counterparts? I absolutely think that, but I will say that I, what I have noticed <laughs> is that sometimes women will try to shift to model what they think works best in that tech space because that is what they're seeing that may look successful. So, you know, there is that isolation piece. There is that competition piece that, you know, I see some women operating in, but I am an advocate for diversity and not just diversity by race, but by culture, by age, by skill set um, that really does benefit and grow your business. And, you know, I want to say this about women that are thinking about, you know, going into any tech fields or learning about how to implement more tech into your company. There are lots of programs out there. Launch Code is one. Coder Girls is one that can actually teach you tech skills. But at the same time, it is something that you can do. Technology, the, the definition of technology is a useful tool, right? So if you really think about the definition, a fork is technology, right? Oh, wow. Because it makes eating simpler, right? So it's any useful tool. So you're thinking about a computer as... I don't as think I've ever thought of it that way, but... It's so true. It does simplify it for it me. It simplifies things, right? So, I mean, think about it. Books were technology at the time when, you know, text, text was written on scrolls, right? So I want you to think about this being a space that you can access. When you break down the definition, women are creative. We are so creative. And so you can easily learn the skill and the techniques that you need to implement, or you can partner with individuals that have that skill set. But enter the space, you know, check it out, discover it, see what it is for you. Don't just look at it as a barrier because you feel that you don't want to be connected to a computer. There are so many other career opportunities within the tech space that are creative and are collaborative. I'm really sitting here like, okay, wow, because I've used 
the word tech as somewhat of a barrier for me at times because I don't consider myself tech savvy. But having to survive e-learning yes. and now working from home, I'm tech savvy. You are tech savvy. Like, you just have to get into it and really, I think it can be a little intimidating. But as we've all had to shift, no matter who you were, you know, from my parents to my child, yeah. we've all had to shift in in the technology that we use to really survive Absolutely. staying at home for I don't know what day this is, but it seems <laughs> like forever. That's common. Right. Yeah, I mean, but honestly, like my 71-year-old mother is like using Zoom. Again, a part of this project, the Tech Talent Readiness Project, is listening to those stories and those reasons. And so I literally asked my mom, like, why do you think more seniors are not, you know, utilizing technology or not connecting in those spaces? And she said, you know, I think it's the fear, you know, of not being accepted for one because of our age gaps, because we look at, you know, young people that are in these spaces and we are afraid that maybe we won't be accepted. And for two, you know, just the fear of the pace that we're able to learn. And so there's this perception that tech is only at a fast pace. Now, yes, I know we want high growth businesses, fast pace. We have to be responsive and be able to pivot quickly. But there has to be this pause for learning and for growth um, in the pace of tech spaces if we really want to integrate that tech pipeline. I appreciate that because sometimes I think one of my biggest fears is am I, am I going to catch on to it soon enough? I'm grateful at Maryville, we are really a leader. I, I view us as a leader in yeah. that tech space and moving things virtually because we were using Zoom yeah. long before we went home just to make it also accessible. You talk yeah. about diversity, um, being inclusive, and making sure people can come to meetings whether they can walk across campus or they need to be home with a sick parent yeah. or a uh, family member. Yeah. Thank you, Maryville, for getting me prepped because I feel like they kind of got me a little tutorial of e-learning yeah. and being a teacher at home, Absolutely. too. So it really does help. Yeah. When you gave your introduction, you also talked about being an author. Tell us. Tell us about your books and also how was that journey? Yeah. So, you know, again, this pandemic has been the most challenging uh, time for us, but it also has been the most productive uh, time for me. I have yielded to the pause. I've yielded to giving myself time and space to think, which has allowed me to create in a way that, you know, I would not necessarily, I believe, have been able to with the pace that I was keeping up with uh, before the pandemic. You know, my goal is always really to help people to fully reach at the potential and tap into the value of what they have inside of them already. And so any of the books, the resources that I write really are to help people to understand how to navigate what I've coined as that creatical core, which is the space where critical thinking and creativity align. It's that sweet spot where the two come together. I ask in a lot of the workshops that I facilitate, you know, how many people think they're creative? And maybe one or two people will raise their hand at the beginning. And then I talk about the difference between creative expression and creative thinking. And so if you can use your imagination, then you can think creatively. It's not just about being able to paint, to dance, to sing. That's creative expression. That's a difference. And so we cannot just leave creative thinking on the table without bringing the critical thinking strategies forward about how to analyze the timing of implementing these creative and imaginative ideas. You know, thinking about synthesizing them together. What pieces should we keep? What pieces should we delete? Any project that I'm working on really will help to 
bring that thinking forward. And so my first book is called Bispiration, which is a personal think tank journal. And what I love about Bispiration is that I'm using this uh, idea around random inspiration, where I'm using images to spark your thinking about critical ideas. And so um, in my journal, and actually I have... um, Actually, these, these ca- in a form of cards as well, uh, where there are pictures. And in my workshops, I may, you know, show up, show this picture. Actually, I'm going to demonstrate this with Jamie. So I'm going to show you a picture of a horse, okay? And I want you to tell me how this horse relates to a strength that you have. Oh, to a strength. A strength. I think that... For me, when I see it, so this is a picture of a horse, and if you're following us on social media, at Force Maryville, we'll display this image for you so you can participate as well. There is a light shining in on it, and when I see light, I kind of think of it as weighing me down, but the horse is actually still moving forward no matter the light that's beaming down trying to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. So now, if I would have asked you that, you probably would have said, oh, I'm a speaker. I am, you know, I'm into, you know, developing and, you know, building philanthropy around community. You probably would have given me all of these things that you do and not spoken to who you are and what motivates you and passion. Right. So what I heard was more passion. It was more insightful. It was more interesting. And from there, we can drill down into the specific ways that you do that, that we can implement into strategy, right? So these are the types of things that I do in workshops to help build strategic plans. When you come into a meeting and it's like, okay, let's think about this five-year strategic plan. And people are looking like, what? Well, what is the mission? So no, we start with imagination. We start with just thinking creatively about who we are as an organization. So if I were doing this with a business or an organization, I would say, how does this horse represent your company? And so then we would take those pieces and build strategy from that. I love it. Okay, and you all have to see the cards. I'm going to Okay, we'll I'm post gonna, them. I'm I'm going to post some of the cards because I think we need to have this conversation. Yes. And we're in a digital space so we can have this conversation via Instagram. I think this would be a good one for Instagram. Yeah, I or think Facebook. so. I think so. Um, but that was interesting. Yeah. Because when you when I've you, got goosebumps, Jamie. Me too. So when you, <laughs> so when you gave me the cards and then I looked on the back and I was like, I don't know why she has this on here, and the website is on here, and your information is on here, but the photo on here, I was like, but if you notice, I kept turning back to it. You I did. just kept turning back to it, like, make it make sense. Yeah. And so while you were talking, I'm on your website. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, this has to mean something, because I know she didn't just throw this bowl of fruit <laughs> on this on this <laughs> business card for no reason. It right. has a purpose. Yes. I appreciate that. Yes. I, you know, I love creativity. I love when people can really think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And so you said two of my favorite words um, throughout this interview, and that's connections and collaborations. Yeah. They are two of the most important things, I think, as any business leader, but I also think as women, if we don't connect and collaborate with each other, we are going to be empty. Absolutely, Jamie. And, you know, this Bispiration piece has given me so much life. Um, 
personally and professionally. And I'm glad that you mentioned the collaboration because I actually have a Bispiration growth group. And so, you know, weekly I meet for five weeks. I meet with 10 women and we actually go through the Bispiration journal. And so, you know, the journal mimics the cards in that you can look at the pictures and it will give you a prompt that you relate the images to. And so you're actually journaling about those pictures. And so we go through each week and connect their, you know, we listen to their responses um, that as they relate to each of those sections, and then we apply them to the business strategies or the business challenges that they have. And this group has been, I'm so proud of these women. I mean, we have women from Atlanta, from St. Louis, um, that are growing in their businesses. I mean, one of our members shared with me the other day that, you know, she said, I, I um, you know, am moving into a brick and mortar space and I was able to negotiate for a six month contract because of what we talked about in the group. And we talked about not being afraid to ask for what you want. You know, initially they wanted her to sign a year long contract, but we said, you know, during this pandemic, people are, are flexible. So ask for what you want. She said, I never would have thought to ask for a six month contract, right? So she asked for it and she got it. So it's important for us to come together to share our challenges, to give feedback. And it, it has been such an amazing space um, to, to be with these women and to grow and to use Bispiration as a tool for that. So the think groups, are those the virtual workshops? No, these are, think, these are our growth groups. And okay. so I'll add links to that on our site. Um, you know, honestly, I was really testing this out uh, to see, you know, how it would be and how effective it would be. This is my second one. And I intentionally did not go on social media to advertise for this. That's what I was because, wondering. I was like, why did I miss no, this? No, because I wanted to be intentional about the women that we were connecting in this group. And so I... I am looking at, you know, why are you wanting to be a part of this group? Why is the timing now? And so I didn't want it to just be, you know, people jumping on uh, just to be a part of another group. I really wanted to be intentional about it. And so... Um, I will add a link to the website if you're interested in joining, but I do want you to know that time and care goes into aligning and matching women in the group uh, that are compatible in a way. And so um, that was just a way for us to be more focused on who we were connecting in the groups. I love it. When you talk about purpose-driven and connecting, you really do have to be selective yes. in a way as well, especially when you're testing things out because I think that when those women that are, that are fortunate enough to be in that group, they're probably getting getting a lot more out of it because you took the time to match them up to make sure everybody was was really on yeah. that same level of growth. To yeah. Enter. Tonight now, is actually our last meeting. You know, it's a five-week session. And so they're like, no, we don't want you to stop. We don't want to end this. So Aww. we're going to think about how we can continue in a way. But we're going to start up a well, new group. they're a cohort group. now. They, they are will, cohort. Absolutely. They will have their own relationship absolutely. going forward. I found myself when I'm in leadership cohorts or things like the cohort you go you go through this journey with like you're yeah, a family. Your family. You are a family. Yeah, because we've shared things in that group that you know nobody knows. You know what I mean? So it's um, my mom. My mom is actually a part of the cohort. So Aww. it's so. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing. It's I a love beautiful, it. beautiful thing. So we are taking a break in July. Everybody needs a vacation, right? We're yes. gonna pause and regroup, and we will start up a new group in August. So you can go to our website, bispiration.com, if you're interested and in we'll joining. We'll have that in our uh, okay. in our podcasting show notes. Go to show notes, whether you're listening from iHeart, Apple, 
or Spotify uh, in the show notes. We'll have that link as well. Your other, your newest book, The Dream Box. Yes. Tell me all about it. I just purchased my copy today and because I wanted her to sign a copy to my little one. Tell yes. us about The Dream Box. All right. So let me just give a little bit of context. I was a gifted educator for 20 years, right? So I was an edpreneur, right? You know, before I became a full-time entrepreneur. And so I have worked with youth and, you know, training and just teaching children how to think creatively for 20 years. And so... I had to write a children's book about dreaming big, about how to think creatively, but you have to have a plan that goes with that creativity. And so The Dream Box is a very special book to me because the characters are my family members. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, our oldest <laughs> daughter, <laughs> our oldest daughter that is a singer uh, and songwriter. And we have a younger daughter, Jada, that is very creative. She sings, she writes music, she models, she's a, um, she's very athletic as well and so the story really is about you know our family and this this idea of wanting to support your creative kids but challenging them to have a plan to execute that idea and so it is it's you know my husband is a full-time musician as well and so you know we have a very creative family but we've always learned how to navigate the business side of it along with the uh, creative side of it. And so that's really what this book is about, to help parents that have creative kids, for kids that are creative to be inspired, to learn how to plan. Uh, in the back of the book uh, is a, a dream map. And so there are two activity pages where kids have to write down their ideas. They are, you know, they have accountability with, you know, who's going to help them with the idea. So um, it's teaching them how to set goals at an early age. Jamie's looking at the last page that's my brother that's that the teacher is uh Mr. Daniels which is my brother Neil Daniels who is so also part of the Maryville family he's yes, in our he EDD is. program yes right now. he'll be graduating soon right yes, yeah yes. yeah he's working on his doctorate so um that I, I am just man the dream box we have people all over the country buying this book and I'm so excited to get it in the hands of kiddos because as an educator it was very challenging to find books around leadership for kids. And I knew that I was observing these kids that we were serving, you know, as young as six years old that had ideas about businesses that they wanted to start. And they didn't have the fear, right? They, they had no, no, no fear, no ceilings. Think about these. There's, there's a young, I should know the name of her company, but she has a lemonade company. Um, young young girl and she's using you know like organic uh, honey and things like that to start her business right. and um, we'll put her link hopefully in yes. in the notes here but young people are starting businesses now is the time and especially with technology the access is there and so I want to be a part of contributing to that growth with developing young people to build big dreams but also create those plans to implement them I love this my son who is seven Yes, has started a business. We've had to shift it because his ideas didn't work for the reality of the world that we're in. But his idea, the structure of it yes. did. And so we're shifting that now. And it's just amazing. He's so serious yes. about it. He's received three investors. And amazing. it's just amazing. It's like, oh, wow. Like, he is really about it. Yeah. And, and what power. And his plans yes. and everything. Yes. What power in him testing out an idea and seeing that it's not working and him continuing to try. That's resilience. That's grit. That's perseverance that we are now teaching adults to have. 
So wow. for him at seven to have that and to be blessed to have the support of you and your family and his investors. I'm right. thinking about your dad right, right. now. Like he, is, the he is the investor. He is the investor. One of them, is the know? investor, right? I mean, that that is huge. And so I know that there are other children, you know, parents and families across this country that are going to listen to this podcast that will be inspired by this. So don't minimize the ideas that your kids have. There are entrepreneurs, kidpreneurs that are very successful. Thank you. We have been really, I would have to say blessed. And this has been an extreme opportunity for us to be able to have you on the podcast because you have dropped some gems and we're going to drop some gems on you by making sure we have the links so people can continue to support you. We ask everybody this who comes onto the Force Maryville podcast, Christy Jackson, what makes you a force? What makes me a force is being my authentic self. I always say that there was something about turning 40. When I turned 40, I was not giving a care about what somebody thought about me, what I wasn't great at, what I, you know, didn't have because I was happy with where I was in that space. And I, I love being me. I love being able to serve in the way that I do. And just developing that confidence has allowed me to be more authentic. And so I believe that is my differentiator. That is what makes me a force. Thank you, Miss Christy Jackson. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Jamie Doby. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on all of our social media networks at Force Maryville or visit us at www.maryville.edu slash force. Thanks for tuning in.